Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to the end of the chapter. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, named Jairus, came over. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them, to give her something to eat. Well, friends, good morning to you. It's lovely to see you this morning. What a great day it is today, isn't it? England had a marvelous win yesterday. It makes all of our hearts sort of lighter, doesn't it, the next day? I was particularly good win yesterday, so... Um, we can rejoice in that. I was at the door hoping some New Zealanders might turn up, but I didn't see any this morning, sadly, um, or I would have made the most of it. Um, uh, last week, um, 
You'll remember just before this passage, Barry was speaking um, about the little issue that uh, uh, Jesus had with a herd of pigs. And you'll remember they went off uh, the edge of a cliff. And uh, uh, Jesus then gets back in the boat and he comes over the other side. So he's now come back over the other side. And as he comes over the other side, they land the boat and the crowds immediately begin to gather. They're, they're desperate to hear what Jesus might have to say. You know, all of Jesus' uh, life was about communication, trying to communicate the things of the kingdom. I'd love you to watch this clip just for four minutes. It's going to come up. On <coughs> Trouble is that clip's got nothing to do with this morning whatsoever. I just thought it was a great clip, and it's always worth, isn't it, bringing a smile to our faces. This is where we are in Scripture. Jesus has done an amazing miracle, and he gets in the boat. The people uh, of the Genasseries say, we don't want you around us. He gets in the boat, and he comes back over to the other side of the lake. And as he lands, the crowds gather. Because wherever he goes, crowds gather. They want to hear what he's got to say. And as the crowds gather, they then, he then starts to teach them. That seems to be what he always does. He begins to speak to the crowds. He wants to communicate to them the things of the kingdom of God. He wants to share with them some really great stuff. He wants to share with them, this is what it means to be a member of the kingdom. This is what it means to be a follower of mine. This is what it means to be accepted and loved by God. Always he teaches. And he teaches in often the most simple way through parables. Through Parables are just stories that illustrate in everyday language the things of the kingdom of God. Telling them what it's like to be a follower of Christ. And while he's teaching, through the crowd comes this synagogue ruler. And, and he throws himself, it says, at Jesus' feet. We don't really know what happened, but probably because it was a ruler, because it was someone who had a position in society, uh, maybe the crowd parted to let him through. But he comes through and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, my, my daughter is ill. I'm desperate. Would you, would you come and pray with her? Would you come and heal her. He's reached a point of desperation. And he begs him to come to his home and lay hands upon his daughter. It's interesting, isn't it? How often it is that we get to desperation point and we pray. We, we, when things are going wrong, we pray. I had a conversation with somebody last week. Uh, we were talking about prayer. And uh, I said, have you ever prayed? And and he said, no, never prayed in my life. I said, okay. And then we continued the conversation. And about three or four minutes later, he said, well, actually, I probably have prayed several times when things have got really desperate. I'm a confirmed atheist, but I've probably prayed several times when things have really got desperate. That, that's what we do. It says in Genesis, we're made in the image of God. Made in the image of God, there's something within us. There's something of God within us that says, do you know God's there and he wants to help you? He longs to communicate with you. And sometimes when all our defenses are down, when we've run out of everything else, we cry out to the person that we 
have somewhere within us, we know there's something that we can uh, call out to him. And we know, don't we, that, that uh, to God's power primarily flows through people who pray. That, that's where, where God works. He works in, in some incredible way. He invites us in to partner with him to see the kingdom come. And he says, if you'll be a praying people, the Lord looks for people who will pray that his kingdom might be revealed. Here the synagogue official comes and falls at his feet. Throughout scripture, we have instances again and again of Jesus answering people's prayers. The exodus out of Egypt into the promised land. Jesus providing food, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead. If you look in the book of Acts and read where we, we read, as it were, the historical books of the early church being formed, you see that the church grew and was shaped by people of prayer. That, that actually the prayer was so intense and powerful that at points uh, 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 prison doors were flung open, buildings shook, people's lives got changed. The kingdom of God broke in in a way that it couldn't be stopped. And here's a man at the end of his rope. He's, he's reached every last bit of resource within him. And he says, if only you'll come. And Jesus says, of course, I will. It's, it's always his answer to those who pray. If we call to him, he will come with us. He will walk with us. That doesn't mean that everything is always going to be all right. It doesn't mean that. It never promises that in Scripture. Jesus doesn't heal everybody in the world while he's alive. There's still struggle and sickness and suffering, but he will hear our prayer. He will walk with us. One of the things that I so love about the kingdom of God, about, about the life of Christ, about the Christian faith, is that we have a God who walks with us in suffering. We have a God who went through suffering. We have a God who knows the pain of death and separation. We have a God who knows friends abandoning him who knows the, the pain of loneliness, who knows the desperation of feeling that things are failing. But we have a God who's faithful and will meet us if we call out to him. And here he responds to Jairus' cry. And uh, uh, they start moving out towards Jairus' home. And um, uh, we can't picture the whole situation fully, but Jesus wouldn't have known where Jairus' house was. I guess the people around would have done. Maybe the whole crowd started moving. But Jairus would have been leading Jesus. This is the way. This is the way. If it had been anything like me, I would not have been walking slowly. I'd have been saying, come on. You know, we've got to get there now. We've got to get there now. We've got to get there now. And it's as he's walking, this passage tells us, as he's going, he suddenly stops. And he says, who touched me? That's what's happened. Who touched me, he says. And, and, and the disciples around him in our passage, they say, they really, they say, don't be silly, Jesus. There's loads of people around here. Everybody's touching. He says, no, somebody reached out to me. Someone touched me. Something significant has just happened. And we have this incredible story of this woman who's been hemorrhaging for years. And, and in, in the situation at the time, her hemorrhaging would have made her uh, ritually unclean. She'd have been excluded from the worshipping community. Don't forget she's part of 
the Jewish community that's, whose whole rhythm of life was around worship and, and, and coming to the temple. So all of a sudden, she's excluded from that. Being excluded from that, she'd have been excluded from friends and family. We, we can't be near you. You're, you're impure in what's going on. So there was, there was a, a, a social exclusion as well. And within that, there would have been an emotional and a psychological dying that would have gone on within her own heart. So physically, socially, emotionally, and psychologically, this woman is, is desperate. And here, she sneaks through the crowd, probably with some sort of uh, a scarf over her head, not wanting to be seen, knowing that if she was caught, perhaps the people of the time would have cast her out. You should not be here. She sneaks through without people really realizing. And she, she thinks, if only I could just stretch out and touch this man's robe. If only I could uh, uh, hear, he could hear my plea. You know, we, we, this isn't the first time it's happened. People uh, pushed forward to touch Jesus. In chapter 6, 56, we get a report of people begging Jesus just to touch them or to allow them to touch his cloak. Maybe she'd heard about that and in pressing forward, seeking to touch Jesus. And as, as she does so, Jesus has probably walked on a few steps. As she reaches out and touches him, she knows something's happened within her. She knows that a change has come about. And, and um, uh, she herself has been healed. Jesus stops and he says, Who touched me? Who is it that has touched my robe? Something has gone uh, out of me. And he says, He kept looking around to see who had done it. Then a frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. She would, have, she would have felt that she shouldn't have been there. She would have felt that she shouldn't have done this. She would have felt that she'd have known she was dealing with a religious leader and her touching of him would have made him uh, ritually impure. She'd have known that she'd have stopped his ministry if you're thinking about the religious leaders at the time. That was the context in which this is happening. And she reaches out and touches him. And it says, He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. She told him all that she had done. Probably she told him the, real, the reason why she'd stretched out to touch him. Jesus, I, I, I've, been, I've been rejected. I'm an outcast. I, I've spent everything I've got just trying to get better. You, you're my last hope. You, you're the one when everything else is down, when I, I'm at the end of my tether and I've, I've run out of other things that I possibly can do, I've come to you. And, and in, in stretching my hand out to you, something has happened uh, within me. And she knows that she has been touched. You see, as we come to Christ, if we're people of prayer, he's truly interested in your story and my story. He's interested in your life and my life. He's interested in your everyday activity. He's interested when you struggle at night. 
He's interested when you wake in the dark, the, those early hours, the darkest part of the night, you know, four or five in the morning. Anybody ever woken then full of anxiety and worry? I've done that regularly. You wake up and you're full of this stuff and you think, gosh, you know, the world's going to crumble in on me. And everything pours into you. Jesus is interested at that point. He longs for us to turn to him. He's interested in your life. I had uh, someone uh, called on me recently, just came to the door. In fact, she had been out running. She was in the middle of her run, I think, actually. And she called at our door and she knocked on the door and she just said, Mark, I've just dropped my son at school and he is so anxious. He's so anxious. It's painful dropping him off every day. Will you pray for him? I said, well, we'll do that. So we've been praying for him every day. I saw her the other day. This is about a week and a bit later. I said, how's... How's little, what's his name getting on? She said, well, he's much better now. Prayer, prayer makes change happen. Prayer makes change happen. When we pray, when we're anxious, when we're worried, whatever it is, if we cry out to God, he's there to hear our prayer. And so Jesus says to this woman, fear no more, go in peace, for God's peace is in your life as it were. Now, of course, Jairus is still here. All this has been going on, and I suspect this has taken a while. If, if, if this woman's told her, him her story, it's taken a while. I know, I know for me, when, when Nins tells me about her day, it takes a while. Never mind her whole life story. So this, this, this conversation would have probably not lasted just two minutes. It would have been a while. And, and all this time, Jairus is like, I got there first. I asked him first, what about my need? Have you ever been at that point you think, well, well, I'm praying, but God seems to be answering their prayer and not my prayer. You ever thought that? How come they get their prayer answered and I don't get mine answered? There's Jairus now. I asked first. I was praying before she was praying. I begged you before she begged you, and you've answered her prayer and not mine. And then the story tells us at that point people come to find Jairus and, and they say, don't bother Jesus, your daughter is dead. And at that point he thinks, well, I, well I, we don't know what he thinks, but there's, there's no point now. And the whole thing turns on its head. No longer is Jairus leading Jesus. Now Jesus leads Jairus. And he says, just have some faith. Come on, have some faith. And he takes him. He takes him toward his home. And what was going through Jairus' mind? I, I, we don't know, but probably, do I still have faith for this? Do I allow this person to... To, to play with our emotions, my wife's emotions, our family's emotions? Do we step out and let this itinerant preacher who seems to be doing things around the place loose on my daughter? Do I, as a synagogue ruler, protect my daughter's dignity and that of my family? We don't know what is going through his mind, but the amazing thing is that he, he does walk with Jesus. There seems to be some, some, something about Jesus, some some incredible attraction about him that says I'll, I'll just go with you I'll, I'll walk with you 
seems that when he called the disciples, they're about their jobs at the beginning of the Gospels. And he says, look, look, leave your nets, come follow me. And they go, oh, okay, I'll do that. I mean, you think, what is that about? How does he do that? There was something about him. And I think there's something about him that put faith into Jairus. And they get up and they go with him. And Jairus leads them. And he gets there and what we've got to remember is that all of Jesus' miracles tell something of the story of God at work. They all point to a greater miracle. And we have these different miracles that point to what's going on in his life and, and point theologically to what's going to happen for us. So here, here the woman who's ill is made well again. You can bring your sicknesses and your anxieties and your worries. Christ is the answer to that. And here on this one, we have a death and then a resurrection. And it points to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says there is a greater victory. There is a greater victory. Death is not the end. Death is not the end of what we're about. In Christ, we have an ultimate hope. Jesus transforms deadness like he transformed a deadly storm into a great calm, like he's just transformed the brute of a man in in the beginning of Mark 5, we were thinking about last week, into a a man full of legion of demons, into a calm, gentle man. He's now talking of transforming death into a calm sleep. He's transforming the laughter of scorn and jeering, of pain and tears, into joy and rejoicing. And he goes in and he, 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 he throws out those who, are, who are, uh, have started the funeral service. And he says, be gone. And he takes the little girl's hand. And he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. Such a simple prayer. There's nothing complicated about it. There's nothing complicated about the Christian faith. There's nothing complicated. That's what offends so many people. There's nothing complicated about it. God is on your side. Jesus is the answer. He ultimately overcame death. It is to him in our prayers that we can turn. In our points of desperation and trouble and difficulty, he will hear us and answer us. We won't always necessarily get the answer we want, and sometimes others will get answers before we get answers. But we know and can trust in a God who is on our side. And as I was going through this and uh, preparing it for today, I had this... Well, I, I think there may be... All of us, that lots of us have issues, don't we? I don't know if there's anybody here who hasn't got an issue in their life. If you haven't, God bless you. But I think we all have issues. I think we all do. I, I, I actually think we're all broken in some way. I think that would be true of everybody's life. I think probably we all carry sadness from, diff- from uh, different things. Maybe we carry, we carry a, a brokenness from things in our lives. But we all, we're, we're not whole in every way. You know, 
We don't spring out of bed every morning and go, yay, it's another day. There's, there's other stuff we carry in our hearts. And it's that that God wants to meet you in and change you in. It's that that, that the transforming power of the Spirit in our lives. And he can take our sickness and our difficulty and our sadness and he can transform them. He can take our deadness and bring life to it. He can take our storms and bring calm to it. Christ truly is the answer. He's the answer for you and for me. And there is no problem too great. There is no problem too great. I have, um, I've never succeeded, but with several people, when someone has died and they've invited me in, I have prayed for a resurrection from the dead. I've never seen it happen. But where someone's allowed it, I have done it. And I've stood with couples in Ealing Hospital with a stillborn baby. And together we've wept and held and prayed. Just that something might happen. It hasn't. It hasn't, but, you know, I believe in a God of miracles. And if you don't ask, well, I'd rather fail asking than fail to ask. I'd rather step out even in that place. Because I have a God who I believe overcomes death. I have a God who I believe ultimately will overcome death. And, and, and one day when someone takes my funeral, I won't be there. I'll have overcome death because I'll be with my Lord. Because that's what I believe. And I believe he overcomes the death in our lives even now. And, and I want to do this just for a few minutes this morning. I want to pray that the Spirit will come into our lives. I'm not going to invite anybody up the front yet. I'm, I'm not going to do that for a while. You can do, we can do that in a minute. But, but I just want to pray the Spirit will come into our lives. And just this morning, whatever your worry or anxiety or burden or brokenness, whatever it is you carry, you can take this to God. He answers the prayers of those who open their lives to him. So in the privacy of your own heart, in the quietness of where you are in your seat, I'm not even going to ask you to stand. I'm going to invite the Spirit to come. And just for these next few minutes. Now, if I ask you to be silent for a minute, it can seem like a lifetime. I'm actually going to ask you to be silent for about five minutes. And it's going to seem like a lifetime. But sometimes it takes a while to get rid of the things that you're otherwise thinking about. You know? The things that, well, I don't agree with Mark there, and I don't, and I wish he wouldn't say that, and you know, all of that sort of stuff, and where did he get that shirt from? You know, all of that sort of stuff that you think in your head. I want you to get that out of your head, and I want you just to reach that point where you and God, in privacy, you can lay those things before him, and, and I believe he will come and meet you. So, I'm going to invite you to shut your eyes, 
If you fall asleep, we'll wake you with worship later. Don't worry. All right, shut your eyes. And let's just invite the Spirit to come. Father, we're a people who know you and love you and desire to follow you. We thank you for the example of Jairus who, who ran and threw himself on the ground pleading and that you answered. We thank you for the example of this woman who snuck in thinking no one would see her but you knew and you answered. Well Lord, whether we be bold this morning and bring our issues as Jairus did or whether we just sneak in with a little word with a reaching out and thinking, I'll just touch your robe as this woman did. I pray you would come by your Spirit's power and you would transform and change our lives. We cry out to you, Lord. Come by your Spirit and hear our cry.